ain't surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest states these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Today, we are welcoming back Stephanie Flip into the show. She's been on the show so many times, not just this one where she has certainly appeared, but also last year on the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast, where we make reference to uh, several times in this conversation. I'm excited to get into it. But first, I want to talk about my friends over at Inside Tracker. So today, more than ever, it's essential that we are making the right decisions to keep our bodies healthy, to keep them resilient, to live better, or simply to take on whatever the day may bring. So, you know, we're all overloaded with nutrition information, leaving us with so many more questions than answers, frankly. And that's definitely not where you want to be. You know, you have these questions like, does it even work? Can I trust this? Will this work for me and my training goals? Especially if you're a runner, right? That's going to be very important. How do you know that your body will, you know, kind of work with this uniquely as opposed to, say, someone else's body? There's just so many questions and it comes down to how do you get the answers? And that's exactly where Inside Tracker comes in. They're an ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood and DNA biomarkers along with your lifestyle habits to help you optimize your body and reach your goals. Inside Tracker's patented system will transform your body's data into knowledge, insights, and customized action where you can have science-backed recommendations. Are you ready to take control of your wellness journey? I know I am. I use Inside Tracker every quarter, and you should too. So unlock the power of your potential today with Inside Tracker. And like so many businesses, they have a Black Friday deal. So take advantage of Inside Tracker's best deal of the year and take control of your health by using their ultimate plan and save $200. This is their most comprehensive plan. So let's save $200 on their ultimate plan by using code gift from rambling run. That's right. Gift from rambling run. will save you $200 at checkout. If you forget it, it will be in the show notes. So thank you so much for that inside tracker. Um, they've been sponsoring my mastering 40, um, podcast as well, not podcast, but my mastering 40 journey. And did a full episode with one of their uh, dietitians, and it was very valuable for me. Uh, no question about it. So big ups to them. Uh, they are doing great, great work. Lastly, you want to step up to the next level. Inside Tracker wants to help you out. So do I. Just launched the new Rambling Runner Virtual Summit. It will be January 15th to the 17th. Early bird registration is going on right now. $125 will get you for that price alone, 23 of the most respected people in running will provide 30 to 40 minute videos on extremely precise and specific topics that affect dedicated amateur runners just like you. Do you want to have the best running year of your life in 2021? I know I do. So if you do, go over to theramblingrunner.com forward slash summit. Again, you can go to the show notes and you'll see it there as well. Theramblingrunner.com. It's all right there. Go register today and you will have, basically, you will set yourself up for what I think can be the best running year of your life. So let's get into it with Stephanie Flippin. Dr. Stephanie Flippin is back on the show and I am so excited to chat. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Oh, it's my pleasure. And you just kicked some serious tail uh, in a hundred mile race which anyone who knows you knows that that's not exactly a surprise. Um, 
given your history and your penchant for running outdoors. However, you weren't exactly broadcasting it from the rooftops. So it was fun to see uh, it all go down kind of so quickly, I guess, in the, from, from my vantage point, it happening so quickly and all of a sudden you're racing and all of a sudden you're winning. It was like, yeah. it's insane, like short period of time watching from afar. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously this year has been wild and crazy and, you know, sad and all the emotions for everyone, you know, across the board. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, it, this obviously wasn't a last minute decision, um, to hop into this race. Um, but you know, I've had so much going on at work and like personal life stuff. Um, you know, I decided this time around just to kind of take the the social media pressure off myself. As much as I love the cheers and the support, um, I kept a little bit quiet about this one. Um, but yeah, but you know, um, the night before the race, I was like, you know what, I'd love to share this with everyone. Um, I knew it was going to be an adventure. Um, I don't know. And I, I was enjoying um, the, the thought of sharing it with everyone. So, Well, you basically had the exact opposite experience this time last year where we were chronicling you know, basically your every step, um, literally and figuratively, uh, through your 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 quest to see if you could qualify for the Olympic trials as part of our Road to the Olympic Trials uh podcast, which if anyone has listened to that, please go back and listen because Stephanie is phenomenal uh in each and every episode and it really is a fun journey to to follow along. So um if someone hadn't been a part of that, it didn't end up working out. Um, but you know, the thing the training was it was really fun to follow along with you. And then, you know, kind of after, after, um, you know, the Olympic trials passed, we had a conversation just kind of wrapping everything up. We haven't you know, really spoken since then. We've kind of sent some like text messages and real quick tidbits back and forth. Um, what was it like for you in the spring kind of exhaling from, from that journey, uh, from a running perspective? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, you know, I, 2020, you know, even prior to COVID hitting, uh, my husband and I ran into just kind of a bunch of like explosions um, at our office um, that we were having to deal with right at the beginning of the year. And then, you know, leading into the spring when COVID did hit, um, you know, and I, I had just kind of gotten to the point where I so enjoyed the training. I, I loved giving it a shot. Um, but, you know, just other priorities started to take over for me. Um, and I was able to kind of just look back at the journey and say, you know what, I gave it my best shot. It just wasn't meant to be at this time. Um, you know, I have a good friend, Mary, that always encourages uh, me and everyone else to, you know, embrace the timing of your life and just trust um, that everything is happening, you know, on your own personal timeline. Um, and that's just kind of how I looked at it. Um you know, like I said, I had so much going on um, at work and everything else that, you know, it was it was kind of time for me to shift focus and not be so just laser focused on, you know, that specific, um, you know, marathon training that really does require so much mental and physical um, focus. So, And even beyond kind of the build up to and around the Olympic trials, you had spent, I don't know. A handful of years, maybe a little more of kind of really consistently getting better as a runner through various different kinds of races and trail running and ultra to shorter stuff and then moving around a little bit. Um, you had kind of been on this on this nice progression as an athlete and a runner. So when you 
took a step away and, and for, you know, for more than one reason, as you mentioned, what was it like just disengaging? Was there any anxiety of like, of not, you know, continuing that progression or was it easy to kind of step away? You know, I, for me in the moment, you know, earlier this year with, like I said, with everything else going on, it actually wasn't, well, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? But in the moment, in the spring, it was hard to step away, you know, from that kind of um, structured training and that, you know, what, what's, what, ne- what race is next? What's, you know, I mean, quickly races were canceled, but, um, you know, in the moment it was, it was difficult to kind of take a deep breath and let things go in terms of that um, specific, you know, chasing times, you know, on the road. But at the end of the day, it was the right decision for me. I think I was, I had been through a bit of um, mental fatigue. Um, I wasn't like physically burnout, um, you know, and it, mental burnout, you know, it's, it's kind of a relative thing for everyone. But I think that everything that I had on my plate um, was kind of leading me towards that. Um, if I kind of didn't pull back um, with that structured, rigid training. Um, so yeah, I've, I'm at peace with it. And like I said, it, it, in the moment, yes, it was a little bit difficult to, to step back and be like, you know what, you don't have to just continue on week after week after week, um, chasing the next PR or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I made the right decision. Yeah. And this is something that a lot of people end up focusing, right? There's some people who will take a step back, maybe from, in, from injury perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. So all of a sudden, like me, right? Like I sprained this, you're an ankle surgeon. So you, this is right up your alley. It's perfect. Yeah. So, so this weekend I sprained, uh, the deltoid ligament on, um, and my right ankle. Right. So all of a sudden it's like, Hey, I'm going to be out four to eight weeks, you know, roughly. Right. So like I have this forced time to step away. Right. And when you have people who are healthy, and all of a sudden, it may be in their best interest to step away for a variety of reasons. But when you're healthy, also you feel this, the momentum and inertia to keep going. What, you know, if, if you could talk to somebody who's kind of towing that line, obviously not many people are racing right now, but people who are kind of towing that line between I'm still healthy, should I keep pushing or should I take a step back? What are some things that you would tell them? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I'll kind of preface it with, um, you know, I've been extremely fortunate as an athlete, um, you know, and I, I kind of mold this over multiple times. I, I think it's, you know, I think a part of it is genetics. A part of it, you know, is just, I don't know, my background, like in other sports, but I've been really, really fortunate in that I've gone about, honestly, Matt, like a full decade now without like a true physical injury that's taken me out of running, you know, for a week months, um, anything like that. But, you know, the trade-off of that is, you know, when you're a, you know, a durable runner, um, you know, and you haven't had any like accidents or anything like that. Um, the trade-off is, you know, you really have to be listening to your mind and the mental side of things. Um, and if you're getting mentally burnt out, um, because that's, you know, that's, what's going to go then if, if your body physically isn't going. Um, so my advice to anyone that's maybe feeling like, you know, they may be towing that line is that you really, really need to get to know yourself, um, you know, and you need to pay attention to those warning signs about like, you know, are you having trouble sleeping at night? You know, are you tired for kind of no 
reason? Are you cranky? And those are the physical symptoms. Um, but for me, it's it's one of those things where I've been I've been doing this for a long time now, and I can tell when I'm not excited to get up and head out for a run or a workout, or if I'm anxious about a workout, about hitting splits or something like that. It's really time to take a step back um, because running is fun, and it's something that I tell my athletes. It's it's something that should always be bringing you joy, not um, like adding stress and you know anxiety to your life. And if it's starting to veer in in that direction, um, then it's time to just reassess. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to pull the, you know, pull the plug on everything. Um, But, you know, there are more important things in life than just, you know, nose to the grindstone constantly. Um, And that's, you know, that's the decision I had to make earlier this year. So you bring up a great point uh, in that regard in terms of how you feel when when everything's right. And conversely, what it's like when things aren't quite right. But as you know, sometimes it's not so polarized, right? There are so many times where we have to make these decisions of like, wait, am I starting to burn out? Is this is this a systemic issue or am I just uncomfortable today? Did I just, you know, are there other factors that are leading me to feel this way where um, maybe not that I should move through it, but that I can work through it and it's not going to really cause a problem? Yeah, I think that line, like you said, is very fine. Um, and it's something that has to be definitely respected. And I, that said, I also think it takes time, you know, getting to know your own self, um, you know, maybe a newer athlete that's, you know, in their kind of first or second training block for a marathon or something like that might not be able to be so aware of that line. Um, I feel like for me, um, just because, you know, the past like 15 years of my life, I've been, you know, either in, you know, medical school, residency, moving across the country, you know, opening up a new practice with my husband. Um, I, I don't want to say that my life has been just high stress constantly, you know, for the past few years, but because um, I, you know, I mean, I've enjoyed everything along the way, but I feel like I've really had to learn when, um, you know, the, the stressors in my life are kind of taking up not too much space, but taking up space as it, as it should be. Um, and then that line is when, you know, my training, you know, workouts, things like that start to be an additional stress on top of, you know, my, my work or my personal or professional life. Um, and I really try to focus on, okay, am I, am I just really over, you know, this specific workout because it's hard, you know, no one loves to do, you know, 40 minutes of threshold work or something like that. No, no. <laughs> it's like my, my nemesis. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of seeing, you know, am I, not looking forward to, you know, this work because I know it's going to hurt, you know, physically and mentally, or am I truly not excited about, you know, the, the end goal or even, you know, the continued process along the way to get to, you know, said goal that I've set. If, if that's starting to feel a bit lackluster to me, um, that's when I know, you know, it might just be time to take a step back um, and not, you know, there've been very few times where I've just all out pulled the plug. I, I don't, 
you know, like I mentioned, I've, I've been really, really fortunate to not have, you know, significant physical injuries and in, over the past few years. But, um, you know, I think it's, it, it's still relative though, you know, with however mileage you're running or what, you know, level you're training at. Um, I've definitely, you know, I haven't just all out taken a, a month or two months straight off of running in the past couple of years when I felt that way, but I've definitely just maybe removed the more stressful stimuli that's kind of causing me the anxiety and causing me to just not be excited about something that I was previously excited about, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago or, you know, a few months ago. Um, so for me, that usually looks like taking out, you know, the intensity first and just dialing down my mileage and kind of just letting myself run or train when I feel like it and not be um, on such a structured uh, training plan. Yeah, that's a great point. And there's so many type A athletes and runners out there who struggle even with like the slightest alterations to a training plan um, that they're forced to kind of do themselves, right? If there's like a an outside individual, like a coach or whoever who has to move, uh, who decides to move a workout, um, usually this is workout related, not easy run related, you know, that, that, that kind of eases the pain for an individual like that. Whereas if, you know, they're just not feeling quite right or they go out for a workout and like they can tell like first rep, like this ain't happening. Like this is, this is not happening. We've all been there. Right. Um, and they have to move it a day or two or just like skip that workout. There's so many people who just, they really struggle with this. Like this becomes this like emotional hurdle. Um, you're a coach now. You've been coaching for a while now with Lift, Run, Perform, uh, which was created by Mary Johnson, who has been on this show and who's a fantastic asset to so many people in the running community. When one of your athletes is going through something like that, how do you kind of talk them off the ledge? You know, I think it's really important. And it and like you mentioned, I, I am that type A person. It's been many, many years of, you know, of, of work to kind of let go a little bit and focus more so on, you know, the consistency over, you know, perfection. Um, you know, for me in my professional life, it's kind of like when I'm in the OR, it, it is a, you know, a, fo a focus and a drive towards perfection. Um, but I always have to remind myself that at the same time, it's also a puzzle too, and putting all the pieces together and knowing, you know, kind of what to do when something goes wrong and something doesn't go perfectly. Um, so when my athletes also tend to struggle, um, you know, with being, you know, a few seconds off, you know, a specific pace or something like that. I, I really just focus on the fact that, you know, one, one day, you know, one workout, one run, it's, it means nothing really in the big scheme of things. Um, you know, it's, it's the fact that a, you finished the run, you know, even though it felt hard, um, you didn't give up, you keep showing up every single day, um, you know, you'll show up tomorrow and we'll start all over again. And it's a clean slate. Um, and I also, you know, largely due to, you know, the previous coaches I've had in my own life too, um, for my own athletes, I always, always say like, I am not a numbers focused person, like numbers that are, are of course important. And we utilize them, you know, paces, you know, we obviously have to stay rooted in reality. And I've mentioned this before with you, but, um, but in the big scheme of things, it's it's always going to be your effort, your belief in yourself, how strong you stayed mentally. Um, those are all things that are so much more important than you know maybe a day where you called called the workout at a you know a few reps short or 
you know, like you said, you started the workout and you're just like, this isn't happening today. That's perfectly fine. And we'll try again tomorrow. Or, you know, a lot of times we just move on. We don't, you know, we don't try to repeat it. It's not a big deal. Um, and I know that can be hard, you know, when you say things like, oh, you know, it's just running, but we can, we can toe that line though, between it being just running and it being a hobby and also still being competitive and going after our goals. It's possible to balance the two. Um, you just can't be so hyper fixated on, you know, that perfect, you know, split, um, each time. So and you're, a, you know, you love to run in the mountains, on the trails. Um, you know, we'll definitely get into what you've done recently with the with the hundred miler. Obviously, that played a part. Um, when you were, you know, going just, you know, we'll hover a little bit back in time here for a little bit. When you were going after the trials, and we're kind of numbers focused from an end goal perspective, did you find yourself running on trails less in order to kind of calibrate towards that goal? Yeah, absolutely. I think. As much as I, you know, love running on the trails and and things like that and burying the terrain, you know, for that type of focused training that I was doing at the time, I really had to dial it back. Um, and honestly, there was a lot of treadmill work just because it was, you know, our weather here in Colorado is funky. Um, we got a decent amount of snow last year, earlier on in the fall too. Um, so. Yeah. And I think, I think that may have played a role, you know, too, in my, my mental game as well. Um, you know, I love being outside and being on the trails and that was really like the first time, you know, last year for an entire year that I really traded all of that, um, to solely work on, uh, like speed on the road. So yeah, and I can see the positives and negatives for that, especially in the winter, right? The positives are kind of obvious, right? So it's like, all right, like, it's just no matter where you are, you know, if it's below freezing, like, there's just potential issues when you run fast, you know, like, you don't want to slide on ice, you don't want to, especially if you're running, you know, the beginning or end of the day, uh, it can get really tricky, um, certainly. So I, I can definitely see how a treadmill can can really work out well in that regard. If you were to go back and taking the, the the crazier weather elements out, if weather wasn't a factor, do you think if in retrospect, if you could you know alter some of that train, do you think you there would be a bigger place for trail running in there, knowing what you know now? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, you know, back then I was so, you know, and I, hindsight is 2020. I'm, I'm speaking now, you know, with the experience of, you know, going a year, like you mentioned, of being very fixated on numbers. And I think that a bit of balance and keeping, you know, my, I don't want to say like my, my roots or that sounds really cliche, but I mean, that's really where I started to really grow my running is on the trails and with ultra running. Um, and I think if I had maybe, you know, incorporated a little bit more of that just sporadically and, you know, not scheduled or anything like that, but just here and there, um, I think I may have been in a better, um, positive and maybe even confident mental place. Yeah. Cause there's plenty of athletes who are able to kind of live in both worlds, right? Um, you know, there's plenty of, you know, ultra runners who maybe came from, you know, college track, Right. And then go to the ultra and then they kick butt. Right. And then there's other people who are, you know, they'll, they'll run the mountains and then, you know, they're so fit from doing old from from running the mountains. And, you know, not, not as like they're not doing workouts up there, um, but they're predominantly getting their workouts not on the road. 
And, you know, then they can, you know, transition after a little while and then, then be able to hit the road. And, um, and I think like, there, there, it's, a, it's a really unique thing. And it's so fun to watch people try to do it. Yeah, I feel like it's something, um, it, it's a big goal of mine to be able to balance the two because I, I know I've told you, you know, we've talked about this so many times, but I mean, I, I do love both. And I, I, and I, I tell a lot of my athletes this too. I, you don't, it doesn't have to be one or the other, you know? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're training specifically, you know, or looking at specificity, but, um, you don't all, you don't have to give up, you know, something that you really, really love just for the sake of, you know, the opposite side of the coin when it comes to, you know, training. And when you run, when you, when you're, when you're running the trails, do you just do you go out with a mileage in mind? Would you have like a certain amount of time that you intend to be out there? Or I know you moved recently too, so all of a sudden you might be going on trails that you're less familiar with, and there might be a less positive sense of like, hey, like I'm going to run eight miles. I know what the eight mile trail is. Like, you know, I, this this isn't really. I'm not trying. I'm not figuring this out as I go. Um, what are some of the What are some of the the mental like? Um, framing that you use when you go out for some of those runs? Yeah. You know, anytime I'm trail running, I usually focus more on time, um, than I do on mileage just because, um, you know, the trails that I have available to me here, it's some of, you know, kind of depending where you go, but most of them that are, you know, where I don't have to drive, you know, a significant way are, pretty technical. I don't have a whole lot of just really buffed out, um, where I can kind of get away with like a road shoe or something like that. Um, and there, there really is just like a ton of climbing, um, where we live. So I, I never focus on mileage. It's, it's usually time. Um, but like you mentioned too, I have gotten familiar with certain routes. Um, there's a awesome route just right off the Colorado trail, um, by us. It's a great, like, um, eight mile, uh, loop, it climbs insane amounts in the first like two miles, but it comes back around and it, it's a great route. So, and I always know that's going to be eight miles, so I can hit that one pretty good, but, um, usually time focused and same thing if I'm like working, if I, you know, I actually, a lot of, a lot of times this past year, I've, I've kind of taken road workouts, um, and just done them on the trail and just purely done them like in a fartlek style and not fixated on pace at all. And that's been, that's been really fun to do. All right. Can we talk about technical trail running? Because this scares the living, you know, what out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Someone, someone, I'm sure a lot of runners are worried about hurting their ankles and rolling them over. I have such crazy experiences with this stuff that I like, I love going on trails. Like I, when I was like, this is going way back, like, like any kid, you know, not any kid, but like so many kids, like a bike equaled freedom at like a certain age, like maybe like 12 or whatever. Like you can just kind of, you get up and go. And, and we live near like not big trails, but some smaller trails. And I would just live over there. Right. And I loved going on my bike over there. Now, like I get that same sense every once in a while when I'm out running, but it's quickly enveloped by this just dreadful fear of <laughs> taking a wrong step. How do you approach a technical trail in a way that isn't fearful um, but enjoyable. Sure. I think, you know, and I'm still, I'm constantly a work in progress on technical trails. Like my, my husband Mitchell will attest to this, especially on the downhills. Um, and I feel like if, 
if I've been in like a road training cycle or something like that, I'm even more timid and like, I, I will not like bomb a technical downhill. Cause I'm like, if you freaking like break your ankle, this is over. Um, but with that being said, I think a, the, you know, good shoes and knowing, um, like how much, um, like ground feel works for you is like, one of the biggest things, um, you know, I'm actually not one of those types of runners that does well in, in Hoka trail shoes on the trail. Um, just because I, I just have to be able to feel the trail oh, more. Yeah. Um, I, I hear confident. you. Those thick trail shoes. I don't know how people do it. I, I mean, I have a pair of Hoka's, but it's the torrent one, which is like a pretty low stack height. Um, yeah, I, I see some people wear those thick soles and I know like it probably is very forgiving and it allows for some shock, for some shock absorption, but no way, Jose, I, I can't, it makes me nervous just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, and everyone's different too, you know, I, and I think that kind of like knowing your, how you are as a runner and, um, just like getting into the right shoe is like the absolute first step to feeling more confident. Um, Two, I, I think I've come to the point now and my, the scars on my knees will <laughs> show this. Um, I have just accepted the fact that it's the, the longer I trail run doesn't necessarily mean that like, that's like, I'm not going to fall anymore. I've just kind of accepted the fact that it's kind of just a part of trail running. Um, and I try not to be just freaked out and tensed up about it. Um, you know, I, a lot of like the amazing trail runners out there, you know, love to kind of use the, the analogy to just, you know, especially if you're going down like a technical downhill, um, you know, just to kind of open up your arms and just flow like water down the trail. Um, and I think it's been helpful for me too. Um, my, my husband is an amazing trail runner. Um, but he has kind of helped me learn how to find, like how to find the right path going down, you know, or down or up, um, technical trails. That sounds like really strange, but if you're able to kind of pick through the right route to go, um, and you just kind of focus on quick feet and, you know, not ever zoning out and, and just focusing, you know, just a few steps just right ahead of yourself. That's really helped me a lot. Um, but like anything else, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it and the, the more confident you're going to be about it. So I totally get it, though. I, I'm still I still get freaked out <laughs> about rolling my ankle or just eating crap. So, yeah, I heard this. I'm trying to think if I if I heard it or I read it, but it was and I'm sure this wasn't the first time either, but it was something to the effect of like, don't look where you don't want to go. I know that's a double yeah. negative, but like, uh-huh. like basically right. look, look at what you're trying, look at where you're trying to step. Don't look at what you're trying to avoid. Yeah. 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 And I, that, and that's a great point. It's like, you know, kind of goes along with like, you just, you just cannot like, like look over to the side, look, you know, start to zone out or anything like that. But, um, I've also learned too to just to not be freaked out if you, you know, if you're running on a bunch of rocks or something like that. A lot of our trails here are rocky, nothing like, you know, the East Coast. But, um, you know, if you, if you're running downhill and you're running on rocks and they're kind of sliding underneath you, just go with it. Don't try to like break and be like, oh my gosh, like it's something, you know, it's moving underneath me. I just, just keep going with it. Um, and that's been a helpful little 
tidbit. That, I feel that like. sounds like one of those easier said than done type <laughs> phrase. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I love that. All right. So after the spring um, and you have, you, know, you, you have this kind of minor step away and you start to get a better sense of like how you're feeling with running and how it's fitting into your life after this um, prolonged attack on a goal, um, which was also, it was, also it was, it was a public one. Uh, as we mentioned. So after you had that experience and, um, you know, the, a lot of these races are canceled, which I'm sure, well, I'm guessing, let, let me ask you this question. I'm not going to assume anything. With all those races were canceled, in retrospect, was that, do you think that was a good thing for you? Because it basically took all the pressure off of entering those kinds of things? Or had you already kind of independent of that kind of already, you know, walked away from registering for some of those? You know, what's interesting is that I... I had registered, you know, and I was signed up for a lot of different races. Um, I was kind of, my goal was to focus more on like the 10 mile to half marathon distance, um, just to really work on that speed. Um, and it's, I, I hadn't actually really even spent like an, a full true training cycle focusing on like the 10 mile to half marathon distance. I don't, and I don't feel like a lot of people do. It's usually used as like a stepping stone in a marathon cycle or a training run or something like that. Um, so I was actually really looking forward to that. Um, you know, and I had kind of gotten into a better place of like, okay, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself, you know, to better, you know, my marathon time you know, which I did. And, you know, it didn't necessarily work out, you know, exactly, you know, how, um, I had, you know, hoped and which is perfectly fine. There was tons and tons of about very valuable lessons learned. Um, but as I, I actually was really excited to kind of, you know, take a little breather and then reset, um, and kind of give it all I had, um, and not, you know, be so, I don't want to say timid during a race, but, but really, you know, kind of, make improvements on my, on my mental game and things like that. Um, with, with a, a few, I say shorter distance, it's obviously still long distance, but, um, so I was excited about that. And I thought, you know, I'm going to give it all I have with these races. Like don't ever have like regrets anymore. And then ironically it was, you know, I think the only, the one other race that I, I ran this year, um, besides the hundred miler this past weekend was a 10 K and that was, um, you know, in late February. And then, a few days later, you know, we got news about COVID and then all the races got canceled from there. Um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe it was, you know, time for me to just really have a break from racing. I don't know. But, um, in my mind, I was, I was ready to attack it again. Um, and excited for it, but who knows, you know? Yeah. I I feel the same way. Like I am in no, I'm one of those people who's in no rush to get back to the marathon at all. So, like, I, I definitely view the half marathon, and there's just not many 10-mile races out there. I say this as someone who's who's excited to witness Kira D'Amato potentially break the record and then 10-mile tomorrow, uh, of all things. Um, and it's funny, I actually recorded an episode with Allie Feller today. This is going to be on, on her podcast. Um, I think later in December, we talked about how excited we are to watch that 10-miler, the, the updog. Yeah. Yeah, dog, 10 miler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but I feel the same way. I feel like those distances are a lot of fun because they are, yeah. Because it takes a lot of training to, to be prepared to to race 13 miles or 10 miles, but it's not so long where it's like it handicaps the rest of your you know racing calendar or something. You know what I mean? You can kind of get right back at it after a week or so and really feel no ill effects 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because I I know uh, Holly Sick, who has a, who's a um, a fun a fun uh, blog that I like to follow, and she's also someone from someone who I like to follow on social media as well. Uh, talks about this all the time. Like she's run plenty of marathons. She's like, I'm done with that, man. At least for now, like I'm not I'm not drawn to that at all. And it's funny because so many folks, you know, are feel like there's this gravitational pull towards the marathon um, for so many reasons. Um, and it's just like, uh, I don't know, it, it's, I feel like it's unnecessary at some level, but it does have this feeling around it, especially if you've never done one where it's like, Hey, this is just, just racing that distance is, you know, is, is an accomplishment, which it certainly is. But I think once you've done it, you're like, Oh, I don't necessarily have to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you. I think there's a lot of kind of pressure and allure put on, on you know, a lot of amateur runners to just kind of um, do marathon cycle after marathon cycle and, you know, see how much time you can take off. And I, I think that, um, I don't know, I mean, it's obviously very beneficial to step away and focus on different things, but um, I feel like sometimes though amateur runners think that that's like the distance that they have to do to be defined, you know, as a true runner. And that's just simply not true, you know? No, no doubt about it. Um, but it's funny that, that you had your eyes set on the shorter distances. Yeah, I know. And then here we are talking about something very different. All right. So, so once, once those cancellations start, start coming in and you realize, all right, like, I can't really be planning for a traditional race here. At what point do your sights really start to change? So um, (laughs) this is kind of ridiculous, but I actually had signed up for um, Tunnel Hill 100 last year um, with, you know, just kind of on a whim. I knew it had been on my radar and a goal race of mine since... I don't know. I, since I, since I ran my last hundred miler. Um, and so I signed up for it last year, not really knowing, um, kind of where my training was going to take me this year. You know, like I said, I was like, Oh, you know, I'm going to focus on the half and, and do this. And then I was just going to kind of see, you know, what shook out in terms of how I was feeling for a fall marathon or something like that. Um, you know, I thought, Oh, you know, if, you know, when Boston got moved from the spring to um, September, I thought, Oh, that would honestly be perfect. I could use, you know, I could run, you know, a fall Boston and then use that as a long run. And, you know, there's some awesome 50 milers like coming up and I thought, Oh, I could lead that into, into tunnel Hill. Um, but then, (laughs) then everything started to get canceled. Um, and it was really just looking like the races that had the best shot of going were going to be more so on the trail and ultra spectrum. Um, I had a little bit of hesitation just knowing that, okay, I, I haven't run a hundred miles, um, a hundred miler in since June of 2018. Um, that was, I was a completely different athlete at that point. Um, you know, I had been hammering like the ultras, like I, my husband and I actually just went back and looked at our, our training and our racing schedule from 2018. And I had ran, I think I'd ran like 72 miles on the track, like one weekend. And then like I doubled back and ran a a pretty technical, uh, 50 miler, like 10 days later. And then like two weeks later, I was on the start line of San Diego 100. Um, so that was just completely different than what? (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't. I, honestly, did you I just say seventy-two that. miles on the track before like these other like two races yeah. within like a one-month span? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh exactly. I'm surprised you have vertigo going into some of those races. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, looking back at that, um, I it's not that I felt like I was um like a more mentally strong runner like in 2018. It's just that I had really been more so fo- focused on ultras than I was on, you know, speed or like the road marathon or anything like that. So, you know, I, I had a, a little bit of hesitation, um, before I really started diving into the training for tunnel Hill, um, this past weekend. Um, I, I really started more focusing in on that specific training, like over the summer. Um, and then kind of went back and forth on if I was going to do it or not. But, um, I don't know, ultimately, um, like I said before, like it's kind of going back to like towing that line of, you know, when you're, you know, when you're truly burnt out, when you're truly stressed, you know, with life or, you know, if it's something you can work through, honestly, Matt, it excited me to run and to race tunnel Hill. And so I just followed my gut and I followed my heart with it. Um, I, you know, I kept, I'm a big visualization person too, um, in terms of visualizing, you know, the specific race, the goal, the time you want to see on the clock, how you want to be feeling throughout the race. And I just found myself, even when I'm on these you know, like monotonous, you know, flat, whether, whether it was a treadmill run or, you know, a flat run outside or something like that, I just found my mind continually going back to like just visualizing Tunnel Hill and running another hundred miler. And I just followed my heart with it because it was, you know, it was naked. I was feeling excited and happy about it. And I think that that's how all of us should kind of set our goals and our, our race schedules. If it's exciting to you, you should do it. Yeah. And you mentioned before that you've been thinking about this race for a while. I'm not familiar with like the ins and outs of this race. So what about Tunnel Hill was so attractive? Um, it was attractive to me because, um, it is a, a a pretty flat course. Um, it has pretty minimal, um, climbing. Um, and I thought, you know what, it, you know, it, it had been on my radar because I had been, you know, kind of did, I did that kind of transition later on in 2018 and then all of 2019 focusing more on, um, road, uh, road running and, you know, developing my speed work. Like I'd never ever focused on in the past. And I thought this would actually be the perfect kind of marriage of the speed work I've been putting in, you know, and the, the focus on, on road specific things um, and combining my love for ultras and seeing what I can do, you know, on a, on a, on a fast hundred mile course. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I came to that conclusion um, to really, you know, go after it at Tunnel Hill specifically versus, you know, a, a different uh, like mountain um, ultra hundred miler, which um, my previous 400 milers have really all been, you know, I mean, San Diego isn't necessarily a mountain ultra, but it's, it's definitely not, it's definitely not a flat course by any means. So um, yeah, that, that's what was exciting to me about Tunnel Hill. Where was the San Diego race that you did the hundred? Um, that's out, um, in, um, just outside of, um, Julian, um, California. So it's in, um, it's like East County, San Diego. I lived out in Poway for a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So, you know, kind of heading out that way towards like Ramona, um, from where, course, from where you were in of Poway. Course. We, we did that drive every day. We were in the Barona <laughs> Casino, I think every <laughs> oh day for God. like two straight months. 
Oh my gosh, Barona Casino is <laughs> bringing me back to my <laughs> my high school and college days. <laughs> oh my god, that was my summer oh, job was playing blackjack at the Barona Casino. I did oh so gosh. well that summer. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. I had no idea you lived you lived out in San Diego for a while. Yeah, the, well, the summer after I graduated college, I went out there because um, my the job I was going to do was to be a freelance writer for a couple of different hip hop basketball magazines. And I don't think I've ever shared this on the show before. Um, so I went out there. Um, my, one of my best friends in college lives out there. Her, her, her brother and her, um, her mom lives in an apartment right next to the Hotel Dell in Coronado. Awesome. So, you know, the two the two apartment buildings right next to the Hotel Dell right there, like where like the Navy SEALs are in the water, like right along there. Like if you if you keep driving south, you go down to PB. So anyway, um, so in middle of the summer, I'm middle of summer, so it was like right after we'd gotten there, um, they 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 bought a house out in Poway. And the reason I asked about where this race was, because then I was, you know, after playing college basketball, like I kind of let myself go a little bit. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna start running. So I'm out in Poway. I'm like Doing track workouts in the Poway High School track, it's like 115 degrees in like oh, the middle yeah, of the yeah. desert. Mm-hmm. I was hurting, and then we lived in like again, it's so it's so hilly out there. And we lived at the top of a hill. It was like I don't want to go for a run, man. I'm gonna have to run like up this hill at the finish. Like oh, good grief! But it's so hilly, I can't even imagine doing a race out there. Yeah, the um, a lot a portion of the course um, is on the Pacific Crest Trail too, um, and the it's an it's an amazing race. I, I can't say enough great things about it, and it's my my hometown hundred too. But um, it's but the limiting factor of that race is just what you mentioned is it's in June and it is hot as heck. Like it is it is just so hot out there um, that that far inland um, that time of year. All right, so. You, so you're looking at Tunnel Hill, and you just mentioned before, like it's it's a pretty fast hundred miler as far as those go, um, and that certainly turned out to be true because while you won the women's side, the men's side, both the men's and women's finishers, you guys crushed it. The times were absolutely ridiculous. It was amazing. Yeah, and I I will tell you, like I. As, as proud as I am of my run, I mean, I was absolutely humbled by the world record that Camille Heron holds on that course. Uh, I mean, it, <laughs> to be a, a female runner and to be running, you know, sub 13 hours, even, even on a fast course uh, like Tunnel Hill is absolutely amazing. Um, and I, you know, I've, when I was out there throughout the day, I just, I just kept thinking of, and, and and then seeing the, you know, like the men, the the six men that were ahead of me, it was, it was pretty wild to see how strong everyone was running. And even not, even on a flat course, you know, a hundred miles is still a hundred miles. I mean, there are many pieces of the puzzle that go into a hundred miles that are, you know, not just like physical fitness. Um, so it was really impressive to see and and the 50 milers too. I, I really have to hand it to the um, the, both the, the male and female 50 mile winners. I mean, it was, um, just amazing to see them crushing the course like that. Um, just incredible performances by them. So what did your training look like to get you prepared for this? So we mentioned what you had done in the previous year and a half leading up to it. You just talked about what you did the year prior to that. Um, which was obviously much more focused on the kind of racing that you did at Tunnel Hill. 
With that said, it seems to be kind of a nice blend between the two that you've done in the past. So what did the training actually look like in the, you know, the four months or so uh, leading into that race? Yeah. So, um, you know, this was a collaborative effort in terms of training um, with my friend um, and coach Nick and I. Um, We definitely, um, you know, I knew myself in terms of how much mileage I needed to be getting in. Um, so, you know, I definitely turned up the heat with that. Um, I hit, you know, I'm, I'm, I peaked at about 103 miles. Um, in hindsight though, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a resilient, like durable, uh, physically, I mean, um, runner. And I, I think that I, I probably could have and should have maybe gone a bit higher than that. Um, just kind of knowing how my quads were starting to feel, um, you know, at 50 miles. Um, but I, you know, I was running, you know, I ran a few 90 plus mile weeks leading up to that peak. Um, and then prior to that, like in the summer, um, you know, I ran a 50 K on terrain that was basically, you know, exactly the same as the, um, the rail trail type, um, terrain at tunnel Hill. Um, I, you know, I did have to turn down, um, or dial down the intensity. So it's, I certainly wasn't out on, you know, the track doing like 200s, 300s anymore. Um, or even like 400s or 800s. I was really, um, the, the, maybe the most speed work I was doing was definitely just the fastest was definitely like threshold work. So, you know, for me up here, that's, you know, just under six minute pace. Um, I was doing, you know, fartlek type things um for the most part um during the week um and then i was definitely stacking my long runs on the weekends um so most weekends i was shooting to get you know 45 you know miles you know saturday and sunday um so looking at you know two you know 20 plus mile runs um and that was the first time i kind of took that approach um as opposed to like i mentioned in 2018 you know i was able to get in you know 72 miles like straight you know and uh, you know all, all in one go i mean um and then another 50 mile race that's usually how i like to approach 100 milers is getting you know that specific time on your feet um but, you know, this year has been tough, you know, and also, you know, in 2018, I, I did at, at that point in time, I did have a little bit more time to, to do that. Now, you know, with, um, you know, being the owner of my medical practice with my husband, I just, I just really didn't have the time, you know, to head out and run 50 miles straight, you know, without it being in a, in a race setting. Um, and there just weren't a lot of, you know, like we've talked about, you know, numerous times, there just haven't been a lot of race opportunities, um, you know, that seem to at least align with my race, with my schedule leading into Tunnel Hill. Um, so I wasn't able to get in any, um, any other races besides that, but, um, just kind of getting in as much mileage as I could, um, seemed to do me well. Yeah. And I know that, uh, ultras and the training for ultras is becoming um, more dialed in as we go here. I know there was a time where it was much more like the wild, wild west in terms of like people just didn't know quite how to train for these the right way. And there's always going to be a sense of individualistic style and what's best for each person. Um, By that, I mean the athlete uh, in terms of this sort of stuff. Um, Now being on the 
receiving end of two different, very, you know, vastly different training styles of like whether you're, you know, have 72 miles on your feet leading into 100 versus, you know, stacking, you know, longer runs or basically, you know, you know, doing a 40 to 50 miles over a weekend type training plan. Um, which one do you think works best for you? You know, that's a good question. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying I am 100% a perfectionist and I will like overanalyze and go through, like I will pull up my training log and be like, no, I should have ran 35 miles that day. Um, so looking back on things though, I think that I do benefit from that, you know, that consistent and time on feet. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing that's going to prepare at least I feel for me personally, there's nothing that's going to prepare me better to go a hundred miles and go at the pace that I want to go the entire time than it is doing that for 50 miles or, or, you know, I usually prefer to hit a hundred K at least. Um, but that really, for me, I just feel like it gets my muscles like, and just my body like prepared for that. Um, obviously mentally too. Um, but I've kind of, gone to that place so many times now it's like 50 miles is it doesn't really feel that mentally taxing anymore but um but yeah you know I but that said too it was you know kind of looking at the like I said the the time that I had to train um and it's also you know kind of towing the line of you know I'm a, I'm a few years I'm not old by any means but I'm a few years older now and that's not you know if I had, you know, ran a hundred K, you know, out on the trail here, I could have gotten injured and then not being been able to recover, you know, properly. So that was also something that I took into account is that, you know, there's also trade-offs with really pushing those like continuous miles, um, and those big, big training runs. Um, you know, when you're leading into a hundred, it's, it's just, it's tricky because you really don't want to have to, you know, you don't want to leave your best effort out on a, you know, a hundred K when your ultimate goal is the hundred mile race. That's for sure. And even, even in that situation, which, which, which in this picture, which in this uh, comparison is like, is the much longer version, um, you know, a hundred K is still like, you know, you still have to yeah. <laughs> run 66% more, um, right. to do a hundred miler. So that's not exactly, um, like you're, like you're knocking on the door there, uh, even in the, even in the, the longer sense. So for people who haven't experienced a hundred mile race, nor have experienced the, the training leading into it, what about, these considerably shorter distances, which again are still ex incredibly long, but they're still, you know, way shorter than the race that you're going to be doing. What allows them and and, and your body in particular, uh, or any runner's body, to be able to then handle the hundred miler when, in actuality, they haven't really done anything in training that approximates the distance uh, and potentially the time on feet. That's where, that's where your, your, the mental side of it, um, you know, and this kind of persistent positive outlook, um, comes into play. In addition to that, I will not discount the incredibly, um, important facet of nutrition, um, too. Um, it's, it's just one of those things where like, for me, at least I feel like I'm a, like a calorie monster, um, with it, um, when it comes to, you know, ultras of any, or even marathons too. Um, but that's, that's when those types of different aspects come into play, um, 
because you can be in the best physical shape of your life, um, you know, and ran like a stellar, you know, 50 mile or hundred K or, you know, or if you're, if you're hitting, you know, 125 mile weeks, you know, or upwards of that, you you can, you know, be completely physically ready to push yourself past, you know, what you've ever done before. But if you, in your mind, you know, if you, if you hit, you know, 65 miles, you know, and you're getting up and over that 100K mark and you have it in your mind that, oh my gosh, I still have 35, 40 miles to go. Like, how am I going to do this? I've never done this before. This hurts. Like, I, I don't want to keep going. Why did I sign up for this? And honestly, I'm, sp- <laughs> I'm speaking from a place of um, experience here. I've said all of these different things to myself, but the second you go into that place, it's, it's, it can almost just be game over regardless of how, you know, your, your knees you're feeling or how, how cardiovascularly you're feeling. Um, it's, it's just such a huge component, um, to, to going a hundred miles and beyond. There's plenty of runners, you know, and it's, there's plenty of 200 mile races these days, or, you know, looking at these 24 hour races where, these amazing athletes are, are putting up, you know, 150 miles in 24 hours. Um, it's, it's the way you talk to yourself. Um, you know, and I, I talk about this on social media and with my athletes constantly. I mean, if your, your mind has so much control over how, over how far you can go over how hard you can push. And it sounds so cliche, but that's, I mean, it, it's never been so clear to me. Um, how powerful our minds are um, until I've lined up for 500 milers now and, and just realized and kind of analyzed the differences in each of those five races, um, you know, and just the, the way that you can manage yourself by, you know, staying calm, staying positive, you know, I, like, and I even mentioned, you know, I, I shared a race recap. I, I was literally telling myself sometimes out loud, I think I was by myself as felt like I was going crazy, but I, I mean, each mile split I hit, even if it, you know, I was slowing and it's like ten thirty pace. I was telling myself, like, I am so proud of you. You just ran another mile. You're that much closer to the aid station. You're that much closer to like hitting your goal. Um, and it's it, that kind of stuff matters, and that's that is what will take you farther than um, you've physically ever gone before. And it's just such a huge and critical piece to the puzzle. Now, have you been able to take that um, that thinking and those mental characteristics outside of an ultra race and import them into other areas of your life? Yeah, you know, I think um, it, it, especially like in my you know my professional life too. Like I've mentioned, you know, there's there's definitely been a lot of hurdles this year. You know, in term, especially within you know within healthcare and everyone else's, you know, professions, regardless of if you're in healthcare or not. But I think that that's really helped keep me, you know, from kind of just getting so frustrated, um, with things that are maybe outside of my control. Um, that's not necessarily the exact type of, of metaphor that translates over, you know, in terms of your mental strengths, but, um, but then again, I mean, it does like the way, you know, I, I like to say like, you know, the way you react to something or the way, you know, you, you frame a situation in your mind, um, you know, that can, that makes the difference between, you know, an adventure, you know, or, you know, this, or a huge ordeal, you know, it can, 
the, the way you talk to yourself in stressful situations. Um, you know, there's been plenty of times when I've been in the OR and, you know, my, my husband scrubbed in with me and I'm, you know, some, maybe something goes wrong and I'm, you know, I'm feeling flustered and I'm like, gosh, like this isn't going the way I imagined it to. Well, you know, nothing really in life does. And, you know, the, if you can just keep control, um, you know, in your mental space, um, it just, it's helpful. And it, 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 like I said, it can, it can make the difference between, you know, something that you can learn from and flourish from, or something that you could potentially allow to break you and not be able to push past, you know, those barriers. Well, I could talk to you about this all day. I would never subject you to that kind of torture. So let me get, (laughs) let me get just one last question in. Before we get going, so many people, especially people who have run marathons in the past, um, are now looking at ultras for all different reasons, right? You mentioned earlier, like you were able to focus in on Tunnel Hill, not only because it was a race that you wanted to do for a while, but it was obvious that those were the kinds of races that were more likely to go off than the traditional race. So you're not the only one that's noticed this. A lot of people have, as you know. So to the folks who have run a marathon before, who have run several even, um, who are now looking at ultras as the next outlet for their competitive juices and really want to attach their new goal to these this kind of race, what are some of the... Um, I guess, I guess, what are some things you would tell them as they start to make their transition into um, this new kind of race? Yeah, I would tell them that, you know, if they've never, you know, if they've, you know, previously been, you know, in kind of like the road um, space, you know, regardless of distance, I would tell them that they absolutely have what it takes to make that transition and that it's not you know, just this space for, you know, a select amount of people or for, you know, the most tough individuals or anything like that. It's a space that's open to everyone um, and anyone. Um, And all that you need, um, you know, to flourish within it is, you know, this relentless belief in yourself, um, obviously a commitment to the training. But like we talked about, each athlete's different. And I don't want, um, you know, athletes out there to feel like in order to, you know, succeed at an ultra, whether that's a 50K, you know, up to, you know, wh- whichever distance within that space, um, you know, it doesn't look like 100 plus miles, you know, per week, um, you know, in order to flourish at it or to be successful. Um, there are definitely, you know, specific training ways, um, you know, and you know, approaches that we can take that still, you know, prepare the athlete, um, you know, for, you know, to go that ultra, um, 50 K and up, um, you know, without it completely draining, you know, your, your personal life and that the time that you have to spend with your family. Um, and yeah, it's a space for anyone and everyone. Um, and I would encourage anyone that's, that's interested, in pushing the limits, um, to go for it. Um, you never know, you know, you never know who and, and, and why and how, and all of those different things and what you'll discover out there. Um, and like I've said before, you know, if it, if it sounds difficult and hard, you're, you're tougher and you're stronger. Um, and, and you'll, you'll be able to do it. Um, and you'll probably discover a new, um, sense of inner strength that you didn't realize that you had by doing it. You're the best. You're the best. We've had so many of these conversations. I love them all. Um, 
you're just such a gift to everybody. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Uh, it really is phenomenal. And I appreciate you coming on to chat once again with me all about it. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. I so appreciate it. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Also, big ups to our sponsors. We got Paper Trails Greeting Company, Prevenex, and Inside Tracker, all companies that I know, love, use, and thank so much for being a part of this show. Also, the Rambling Runner Virtual Summit. What are you waiting for? You know you want 2021 to be the best year of your running life, so why not learn from some of the best people in running to help you Get there for only 125 bucks. You'll have left lifetime access to all the videos that they will be providing. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. Just representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.